I'm Jen Hayes, Senior Art Director at Droga5 and Managing Director for Film and Advertising Broads, an international networking group for women in film, advertising, and broadcast. During New York's 2015 Creative Week, we join forces with Premier Audio Posthouse Sound Lounge to give you the panel discussion you'll hear in this podcast, The Fabricated Female. The panel discussion explores the importance of women in casting, why they are changing the advertising game, and opportunity for new roles to be written for them and also answers questions from industry leaders in entertainment and advertising at the end. The discussion you'll hear is moderated by Gretchen Carlson, host of The Real Story with Gretchen Carlson, airing weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on the Fox News Channel, and author of Getting Real, available June 16, 2015. On behalf of Sound Lounge and Film and Advertising Broads, I hope you enjoy the discussion. Thank you so much. I hope that you all can hear us. Can you hear me fine now without a microphone? Okay. I am Gretchen Carlson. I have a tremendous amount of experience in feeling what it's like to be a woman in the media, which is not always a positive experience. A brief history. I grew up in Minnesota. I was a really serious classical violinist. I decided to quit that, burned out, and use that talent for the unexpected twist of becoming Miss America in 1989. I then went to Stanford University and Oxford as well and have had 25 years in the media business. So with those credentials, you can understand why sometimes, and also working at Fox News, why I would be discriminated against. (laughs) Uh, I want to just share a couple things with you that I was the first cable news anchor last year to do a show with no makeup on. It was to celebrate the International Day of the Girl, which was incredibly important. My message in my book and in life has always been to empower women and to build your self-esteem from the inside out. I grew up a fat kid, and so I know what it feels like to be teased and be made fun of, and luckily I built my self-esteem from here, and so that is my life message. I wanted to give you a sense of the kind of horrendous uh, reaction that I get in social media and regular emails from viewers just from being, uh, you know, a former Miss America and being on Fox. So these are the kinds of emails that I get on a daily basis. I don't want to read. Some of them I can't read to you because they're so bad. What's up, Skanko? I guess the bus missed you, was really hoping that you would be gone for at least the rest of the week. Can you at least try not to look like a total dumbass when you're asking stupid questions? That's a nice one. Hey, Gretchen. I was watching the show yesterday and noticed that you have some hardcore cottage cheese hanging off those chicken wings. It's really disgusting, and I would like to ask if you would please wear long sleeves. That one went on to words I can also not say out loud. Gretchen, was just looking at your career path from Stanford, How does a degree in organizational behavior qualify you to be a journalist? I see you graduated with honors, no doubt, with late nights with your professors. You do, however, deliver an entertaining value, just as the village idiot does. So my lesson, and the reason that I'm speaking out about this in my book and at events like this, is for young people. Because once I turned 40, I was like, Who cares? (laughs) Uh, I've developed incredibly thick skin over all of these years of criticisms uh, against me, but I worry about our young women especially and social media and what they're going through, and I'm sure that everyone on this panel would agree with the way in which they're being depicted, and that is why we are here uh, today. I say that I reached the bimbo trifecta when I came to Fox News. (laughs) Blonde, former Miss America, and now at Fox. You can read more about it at Getting Real on June 16th. Now, it is my pleasure to introduce this amazing panel that we have assembled today. Julie Schubert, Emmy-winning New York-based casting director, currently working on Netflix House of Cards. Exactly. Her previous work includes Boardwalk Empire, How to Make It in America, and David Chase's Nut Fade Away with Meredith Tucker, as well as Beware the Night. uh, taking a Pelham 1, 2, and 3, and Confessions of a Shopaholic, one of my favorite movies ever. (laughs) That's just to name a few of her accomplishments. Then we have uh, Felix Richter. And he is educated at Miami Ad School Europe in Hamburg, Germany. He started his career in 2009 working under Ian Reichenthal. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? And he has won numerous awards, uh, which I'm not going to mention all of them, but he, I will tell you, is very successful in the advertising business. Carrie Faverty. That's right. Casting director at Sound Lounge. 
She has cast for voiceovers and on-camera commercials for thousands of products, as well as for webisodes, animated pilots, narrations, promos, and the award-winning short film, They Say. Tremendous amount of experience that she has. So this is so great because they all sort of come at this from a different point of view. And one of the things that I wanted to start with was you know, where we are right now in 2015 with regard to how women are portrayed in the media, in advertising, on stage, uh, and on TV. So let me start with you, Julie. Do you think that we've come a long way or we have a lot of work to do? You know, it's interesting. When I first started in this business um, 15 years ago, at this point, <laughs> uh, there was a real emphasis on... Um, the archetypal female of the, you know, the younger girl with the older man, the fat girl, the funny girl, the funny but fat girl, you know, all of these very specific types of women that you see in a, on a regular basis in, in the media, and you still see them today. I think that there has been change, and it's exciting to see that. I do think a lot of that change tends to be more in the cable sphere and an independent film than I see on network or... Uh, in a lot of the studio movies, but um, it's happening. But we do have a long way to go. And I think it's organizations like, you know, Fab NYC, Game Changer Films, that promote women directors, women writers, um, that are going to help affect that change on a, faster, on a faster pace than we've experienced over the last 15 years that I can, you know, is an active participant in the industry. One of the interesting things is that it seems to me like advertising has been ahead of the curve a little bit, Felix, because everyone's familiar with the Dove's Real Beauty and that whole campaign that started maybe five, six, seven, eight years ago, and it really showed real women and the way in which they look that other people could actually relate to that it hadn't been Photoshopped. So is advertising ahead of the curve? Uh, I think... Advertising is definitely aware that there's a problem and that a lot of people feel that problem. I think one of the reasons that may be the case that advertising is a little bit ahead of entertainment in that respect is that uh, there is, I feel, a bigger appetite uh, for change in advertising than it may be in entertainment the case, simply because most people do not like advertising and do not like to look at it. <laughs> um, and so trying something new kind of comes naturally. Uh, and so I feel when there's an, like, where's an entertainment, everybody loves entertainment. And so whatever works, uh, people keep doing. So if we do the archetypal female a lot and it works and people watch it and you make money with it, there's really no reason to change it. Whereas in advertising, there's always that appetite uh, to try something new. And I think, uh, uh, be it uh, hashtag like a girl campaign or be it the, the, the Dove campaign, uh, these are campaigns that point out a problem. Um, uh, and, and do that very successfully and are very inspiring to people. And perhaps that, that is something that happens in advertising and not so much in entertainment. So I should mention that Felix was behind the Under Armour campaign uh, that was so beneficial to women. Can you explain what that was? Yeah, so Under Armour, uh, the I Will What I Want campaign is, uh, is all about like celebrating strong-willed women. And it really comes all out of... Uh, uh, an insight about a, a cultural discussion that is going on right now, which is very much about like leaning in, leaning out, uh, how, how should a woman be right now? Like everybody has an opinion about how women should lead their lives and there's like so much talk uh, about like should you, should you be a businesswoman or, or should you be a mother or should you be both or should you be nothing at all? And so the idea was really <laughs> instead, of, um, instead of Under Armour being another voice that tells you like you can make it if you try really hard or you can be an athlete, um, what if Under Armour would just say you don't need permission if you have will and then just celebrate uh, a strong women that, that, that live their lives uh, defining success on their own term. Wow. Uh, sorry, I'm going to clap to that. <laughs> Are you all familiar with the Like a Girl campaign? Did you see that? Yeah. I'm, my daughter goes to an all-girls school and they showed it at the, you know, at the spring closing ceremony last year and I just thought it was so unbelievably powerful to see what happens to our young women, you know, that throwing like a girl and a six-year-old like throws it as hard as she possibly can and then a 13-year-old makes fun of herself. You know, it's like, what happens in those years? What do you think, Karen? Well, I, I mean, to jump on what Felix was saying before, I think one of the things that affects 
advertising specifically as opposed to entertainment also is that it's short-lived, that they're, they're dealing in shorter increments, so there is room to, to, make, to, to experiment more with what's out there, whereas with entertainment, you know, if it's a movie, there's so m I mean, there's a lot of money behind advertising as well, but there's so much money behind a movie and so much publicity that to, to be bold and make a change is a huge step, whereas in advertising, you can kind of play around with concepts and you can, you can push the envelope a little bit because they're shorter lived. So you're not, if it doesn't go over well for whatever reason. I mean, there, what was that, the Super Bowl spot that PETA had an issue with, with the puppy sale? Mm -hmm. oh, I mean, yeah, this yes. is a horrible example for this, but all I'm saying is that um, <laughs> it was short lived and it didn't get a good response, so they pulled it. So, you know, I think advertising has that flexibility to try to push the envelope. And I, I do think that they are starting to, um, from my perspective, I don't, I don't have to deal with like a physical image, but we, in the voiceover world, we are just hearing mostly men on huge brands, any car commercials, electronics, any kind of insurance or banking. It, but it's, it is slowly changing. Every once in a while, you'll hear a female voice on a Toyota spot or on Chase. Um, I think Patricia Clarkson did that for a while, but it's not, but it's for the most part, they're, they're trying to, like it's men selling insurance and it's men selling cars. So there isn't, it isn't as progressive necessarily because uh, it's not as envelope pushing. Well, haven't they figured out yet that, that women actually make a lot of the buying decisions in the household, <laughs> right? I mean, four, four out of 10 households now, the woman is the primary sole breadwinner as well. Uh, I'll never forget going in to buy a car with my husband about 10 years ago when we were moving out of the city and actually needed a car. And the salesperson didn't look at me at all. And I was like, we are out of here, right? <laughs> so, you know, how, I mean, I just don't understand maybe Felix from a point, the advertising point of view, why don't they put more women's voices if the women are making the decisions, do you know? I think there is, uh, when creating work, and that's really for agencies as much as for clients, there is a, always a, I mean, it's two things. One thing is definitely uh, that um, advertising is always so quick that to a certain degree it has to work with cliches and stereotypes just, you know, so you feel like it's the lowest common denominator. Everybody's going to get that. Uh, nobody's not going to understand it. Like every client always has a huge fear of putting something out there that people don't understand. And so this is when, and it's the second thing, this is where there's a really strange uh, bias, I feel, where we always keep second-guessing the audience all the time. And instead of asking the question, what would be uh, a believable um, depiction of a, of a woman, like a real, like, like, a, like a, something real, um, which would correlate to the fact that they are the sole breadwinners in four out of ten households, um, we always ask, like, what do I think the audience believes is... Uh, an acceptable and uh, relatable and, and true de depiction of, of women. And then you end up with something very different that is like uh, not really close to what reality is today and it's sort of always dragging behind a little bit. Interesting. Well, on House of Cards, obviously there's so many strong women. There is, but in, you know, comparatively to the uh, many men in politics, I mean, it's not an equal division. You know, we have a very strong character with Claire Underwood, you know, but even last season, you see her as a more emotional figure than you do any of the men, right? So it's, you know, even though I think it's an incredibly well-written show and I'm incredibly proud of the work that we do on it, there is still, you know, the, the discussion of what the expectation is from a female perspective is, as there is from a man perspective. Yes, there are strong females, but they still have the feminine attributes that I think we would like to try and fight against in a way and progress in a way to be considered on the same playing field as the male counterpart. And yet there were two women running for president on the show. Sorry if anyone hasn't watched the season. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm a junkie. Yeah. Um, Which you know, is and, there, very... and I remember a scene where Frank Underwood uh, mm -hmm. meets you know, in secret with one of them and says, welcome to the boys club. Exactly. She starts acting, you know, I, I guess, stereotypically more like a guy. Very true. I mean, you can't really, can't really fight against that. And yes, there were two women, you know, running against him, but who was still pulling the strings? So, you know, who was still the manipulating force behind it? And yeah, I mean, uh, Dunbar definitely picked up the pace and she's a formidable woman and it's going to be very exciting moving into the next season. But, 
you know, there's still there's still that. <laughs> no spoiler, no spoiler alerts. Don't worry. I'm only halfway through, so I don't need to watch oh. anymore. <laughs> That's all right. All right. So, so from from a voiceover point of view, then, yeah. Do you think there are less stereotypes as far as how women look? You know, as far as the fat shaming that I talked about, or um, any other sort of stereotypical views of women. Well, I mean. I mean, in the in the voiceover world, no. I mean, fat shaming, it's a wonderful place to be. There's no fat shaming. Uh, you can show up in your pajamas if you want. Um, but, I, but commercials as a whole, I, I, I do actually see them moving away from it. I do see, um, uh, not a lot. I mean, I don't, I don't want to make like a sweeping generalization saying like, oh, all the brands are doing this now. But you, there are more real-looking women. Um, however... The actresses that come in and audition for me, a lot of times I know when they have an on-camera audition later that day because they are made up. Their hair is done, their makeup's done, they're in really like pristine outfits. The guys that come in and they're like, oh yeah, I've got an on-camera later. They're in like, I don't know, like a schlubby wrinkled button down and ripped up jeans and they can, they're auditioning for the same spot. But the women have to look perfect for these on-camera spots, regardless of how they are, if they're a little bit heavier or not heavier, it's still this... This, they still have to look perfect. They still have to look fantastic when they go on these auditions. And I, you know, I don't know if that translates to what ends up happening on screen um, ultimately, but I, I do think there is still that like, level of perfection that a woman has to look put together to get put on TV. And it's not only in the advertising world. It does happen in the entertainment aspect that what I do, you know, women are coming in fully dressed, men come in as schlubs. And you see, you know, in films... I mean, you know, it works depending on the role. But, it, it, but you see in films, like, you never have actress, actors, for the most part, um, discriminated against based on their size. I mean, you look at people like Seth Rogen, who gained weight, who lost weight. You look at people like Jonah Hill, who gained weight, who lost weight. Um, Zach Galifianakis, who gained weight and lost weight. They're not, their roles aren't changing for them. Do you know what I mean? They're still being considered, yes, they're lauded for, you know, having lost a few pounds, but then you look at actresses like Rebel Wilson and Melissa McCarthy, and their whole thing is like, look at this heavy woman who's doing, who's doing amazing things. I mean, wh what is that? You know what I mean? It's such a disappointing part of the visual of what we do. Um, Why? We'll expound upon that. It's just, you know, it's... Break, uh, so what, what I do is I put out breakdowns, right, for different roles. And a lot of times the women in those breakdowns are, I mean, not my breakdowns, thank God, but like the, <laughs> the breakdowns that I see coming out of the network realm, very much like woman, super hot but doesn't know it, or, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, chubby and lovable. And then like the guys, like they, they're just like cool dude, you know, uh, you know, really a hipster, you know, kind of, it, it's never like a physical aspect. There's never a physicality that they put forth for the guy, but there is for the, for the women. Um, and that's, I, I find it disappointing. And like, I do see it changing, but it's not changing in a way it fast, you know, it's not changing fast enough. I never thought that about that. I did my first film last summer. I was sharing with Julie and I, I cracked up when I saw the description of me because it said, woman in her 30s. I was like, psych! Because <laughs> I was way past 40. But I, now that you're saying that, I'm remembering how, yeah. And the age is a script. big thing, too. I mean, you see all of these men with younger women, but you never really see an older woman with a younger man in the entertainment sphere. And that's, you know, there's an ageism to it as well as, you know, the appearance aspect of it. And because, this, because my business is so visual, you sort of need those parameters that are just not, you know, you just got to find a way to fight against those parameters. And it, a lot of it happens behind the scenes, those conversations with the showrunners, with the producers being like, why don't we try something different? Well, yeah. How much does it have to do with who's in charge? Everything. You know, so I think there was some scary stat that I saw that 3% of creative directors are women. So... You know, it's just like CEOs and corporations, right? Fortune 500 companies. So does that have a lot to do with it? I'd, I'd be interested in all three of you answering that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think it, in the voiceover world as well, with what Julie was saying, you can age out, you can age out of voiceovers. Which, oh. I mean, exactly. But when a woman, when she gets to, uh, I'd say, 45 years old, 
apparently her voice changes and she becomes somebody that cannot sell something to young moms anymore. Um, I don't know how it happens, but it does happen. And so all of the breakdowns are like, we want somebody 30 to 40. So if I bring in, you know, a 45 to 50 year old woman and her voice sounds a little bit older or even a 30 year old woman that whose voice sounds older, I get a lot of feedback of like, she sounded way too old for this. Like they all sounded way too old. Wow. So it, you can, it's bizarre cause it's voiceover, but you can, there's aging out of those roles as well for women. And, uh, but I do think a lot of it is, is the, the decision makers, the, the creatives and, um, the client, I think, often sometimes as well, just has like a a, a, a mental image, a voiceover image, I guess, of of what they what they want to hear. And for some reason, an older woman sounds too old. I never knew that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Felix, how important is it as to who's making the decisions? I mean, ultimately, it's the client. We are not to blame at all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But I do think it's like um, a lot of clients, like they, they have a very specific, they have very specific goalposts for what they want to depict. Like most brands always want uh, something or someone that is relatable and aspirational at the same time. And both of these terms are sort of cliches and stereotypes to begin with, right? Like an aspirational voice or woman is somebody who sounds better than you could ever sound. And somebody who is relatable is kind of like a little bit like has also some mistakes you know just like it's implied like you have some mistakes and so if you have these two goalposts then it's a very narrow space in in between and then if the voice is uh, it's just a little bit too old or uh, a little bit too squeaky or whatever then it's it's very quickly that it's um uh that it like falls outside of that and then that's a problem like it doesn't move forward very quickly decision makers yeah, I mean, at least in my world, absolutely. The majority of studio heads and uh, and network executives are men, um, and that you know that speaks volumes. I think there's definitely progressive heads. I mean, you look at Netflix and they have you know Cindy Holland as their head, who's just brilliant, and then the team that she puts together, you know Peter Friedlander and Ali Goss, and you know these really amazing people. They're looking to affect change in a way that works within their models. But you look at, you know, something like CBS and Les Mundes, and he's got that, you know, he's got his parameters that he, he has to work in, because he's also working for the advertisers. A lot of network <laughs> television is, is based on advertising sales, so if they can't sell it to the advertisers, they're not gonna pick up the show. And right now we're in this, this upfront era next week, week and a half, where the advertisers, they come, they see all of the stuff, they decide what they're going to put their money behind. And those are the shows that get picked up. And it's those advertisers that are making those decisions. So in a way, the advertisers, it's your fault. It's, your fault. <laughs> it's like the advertisers are the ones that, you know, that's your And it's totally true in the TV business as well. So ratings are the lifeblood of the industry. And ratings are what advertisers look at as to whether or not they're going to buy on your channel and how much money they're gonna to have to pay. And guess what? The only thing they care about is not the number of viewers that you have, but the demographic, 18 to 49. That's who they want watching us. We could have every single person in the entire planet over 50, and it really doesn't matter, which is scary, because when you really think about it, it's archaic. People over 50 are the people who have money to spend to buy the products that you're advertising. But that is the old school way in which we operate in TV too. So it's constantly the discussions every day. What kind of stories and segments do we do to get the younger person to watch? You know, how do we do this? Do we have to do more social media? Do we have, it's constantly being driven by trying to appeal to that younger, you know, that younger person. Yeah. But to take it back to the decision makers, I always say that I have a son and a daughter. I work for my son more than I work for my daughter because I want my son to grow up, hopefully respecting me, but when he gets into the real world, that he will turn that respect to other women colleagues that he is working with. And I believe that's the only way that we evoke change is to get the men in the world to feel the same way that the women already feel. I'd be interested in comments. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. I think that, I mean, the in politics as well as entertainment, there's a disconnect where um, 
<laughs> Poor Felix. Um, <laughs> I'm going to make a sweeping generalization about men. You're welcome. Um, but that, that uh, men like to be these decision makers about women as if they know what it's like to be a woman. I mean, uh, I'm Jewish. I would never make a decision for Catholics based on what I think Catholics are like. I have no idea. So I don't understand how uh, the, the men, men tend to think that they, they know what's going to be best for the women. And so they like to tell us what's going to be best for us. And I think, uh, I do think that it, it, it's good that you're doing that because I think that education does have to start at a more fundamental level than right now because I don't know how you... I think that's a very interesting point actually because when you say that, you sort of also assume that men and women are so different and that they can't know of each other. And then like <laughs> following that, when you say that they're very different, then then is that like, is it still, like should we still ask for, I mean, we should definitely ask for everything being completely fair, but do we have to accept differences moving forward? I'm not, I don't know about that. Like, I, No, I mean, I, I think, I, yes, I do think there is equality and I do think that there are differences. Um, I, I think, uh, like, as, as far as pay is concerned, I think it's, it isn't like a men-woman. I think it is skill set. It should yes, be skill set. Yes, it should be. I agree. I agree. Um, but it, obviously, it, it doesn't exist like that. Um, but I see, I see what you're saying. I'm... We, I don't, uh, we are the same but different. So we do have to respect that there are differences and that, that one cannot tell the other person how to live their life. But at the same time, there needs to be a respect for how the other person lives mm. and works. Well, let me, let me spin it positively. Are there any companies or executives who are, are doing it right? <laughs> They're making a move in the right direction. Uh, in the advertising world or in the entertainment world? Advertising, since that's your specialty. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel, um, to talk again about these campaigns like Dove or the, Like a Girl or to a certain degree Under Armour as, as well, I think that is a, it's a good way to, to approach it. To so have you seen more companies want to do that or not? I mean, definitely after the, like within the advertising world, after Dove, I think like there have been so many uh, companies that have tried to do the same thing. Uh, so many because it works really well um, I feel that uh, after talking about the problems and like you know, sort of like telling people that we have a distorted view <coughs> and moving on from that I think what we should get to is a state where we don't need to talk about it anymore because it's it's uh, and it's kind of like and like pointing pointing out that um, I, I don't think there should be sto a lot of stories anymore where it's like sort of like you made it despite uh, being a woman, you know, almost like it's almost like a disadvantage. I think it, the climate should be like, uh, you're awesome because you made it. You're, and that's it, like period. Great then point. I feel that's equality. So, so Julie, how important is it that women like Meryl Streep and Gina Davis have, have talked, you know, really openly about becoming a mature woman and, and how that's affected them in either getting roles or not getting roles? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a big problem. I mean, there's, they don't really, Hollywood didn't write roles for women over 40. And you'd always have these, <clears throat> I'm so sorry, allergies, these female-driven movies that come out that, you know, make, have success. And in the same way, it's like, congratulations, I'm so surprised that a woman did this. And what Meryl's doing with the, you know, with the whole helping fund, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. What Meryl's helping to do with funding women writers over 40, what Game Changer Films does with um, providing equity for uh, female-directed productions, you know, I think that's those those sort of initiatives are what's continuing to continuing the conversation. And I do hope that it gets to a point where the conversation doesn't need to happen. But we all know that this business changes so slowly, and it needs a lot to a lot of force to actually get it anywhere. And so when you have the, when, when that woman writer that Meryl, you know, funds or whatever is super successful in a way that defies the fact that she's a woman or, you know, that's when we're going to see that sort of change. But it's, it's good that they're, I think it's good that they're vocalizing it because, you know, it's something that's been talked about for years. Oh, and the whole Amy Schumer thing. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. 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 There was like this Amy Schumer who's brilliant. She, um, 
she did this thing with uh, Louis, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Tina Fey, and Patricia Arquette. Right. right, and, you know, it was about women over 40 and, like, sending you out on your Viking ship and, you know, <laughs> you're never going to have a job again. And, it, you know, but it's, it's, a, it's funny, but, like, the fact that they're doing it in a funny way is sort of bringing it into the conscious in a way that hopefully people can get past it, you know? I don't know if that made a lot of sense. No, in my did. head it did, yeah. but... <laughs> it did. Uh, okay, one other question before I'm going to open it up to, to your questions. I'm sure you have some. Uh, who watches Games of Thrones here? Okay, um, Game of Thrones. Uh, so I don't watch it, but apparently they, they showcase strong female uh, characters simultaneously sexualizing women, or how does it work? Well, how does it work? Um, the, the Game of Thrones has has because we we discussed this actually we had a, a prep phone call but we Game of Thrones has a couple of really strong female characters on it very like warrior type women. What they like to quick cut to in between are shots of completely naked beautiful women oh. constantly. And I think SNL did a sketch like a couple of years ago where it was uh, Game of Thrones is written by George R. R. Martin and a 12-year-old boy. Um, <laughs> because it's, it, it, it really is, I mean, it's like there's fighting, 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 and then it's like, oh, and a shot at a brothel that does not progress the storyline, it does nothing, but it, we just, just get to see a whole lot of naked women. Um, I still love the show, but every time it does that, I just think, why? Also, then I think, what did this girl tell her parents? Like, oh, mom and dad, I got a job. But um, you can't, I'm wearing a mask, but I'm fully naked. Um, but it, I, I, it's, I, I find it really jarring, and I don't know why, I don't know why HBO does that, because isn't the fighting enough to get the guys to watch? Why does it also have to be the naked ladies? That's, Felix, on to you. <laughs> I can't say anything now. Like, <laughs> I've um, man-shamed you. <laughs> um, well, let's open it up for, for questions then uh, from all of you. Yeah. Question. Um, I work for an agency. We just launched on No Angel, which we have had crazy success over. It's the um, Lane Bryant Casey campaign. Yeah. And what the metrics are showing, and I think what we've seen in Dove and Like a Girl, is that there is there is a cultural appetite for this, and because the metrics on these viral campaigns are getting so high and so fast, how do you find that um, both in advertising and entertainment, finding that there is such a cultural appetite for this, people <coughs> responding to it so greatly? Do you think that will change the conversation, or do you think that more clients or more executives are willing to take risks after seeing so many of these successes? Well, I hope they do. I mean, I, 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 the I'm No Angel campaign I thought was fantastic. I mean, Victoria's Secret didn't love it so much. Yeah, it's it was really it's it's really uh, progressive, and um, but Lane Bryant has actually kind of always been that way. But the, but the fact that now they're getting they're now in the social media vernacular is great. So I I mean I do hope that that exacts change and that that other advertisers see that there are hum actual human beings buying their product and not, you know, these, like, rigid st stereotypes. Um, but I, I, I think that something like that will... I think the success of any campaign inspires other advertisers to, to pr uh, push the envelope as well. No, definitely. It's, it, I mean, it sounds really bad, but it's almost like uh, these types of campaigns have to be repeated so many times <laughs> until they become accepted as a stereotype and then then they happen a lot and are easy to push okay. through i guess yeah. and in the entertainment world i mean i i don't know to be honest as long as the money comes in yeah that will affect the change yeah okay so our, the metrics are really interesting and like we've been working with the client and also with our um, media partner to look at what they're saying and like that what it's really saying is the appetite is there and people want more of it because it's just a very human thing and they're resonating Mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it's giving, um, like Brian anyway, and we're talking with you or other clients, the courage to kind of be like, okay, we will take a risk. You know, it's we amazing. Will do something different and say something that's more human than it is a stereotype. So. Yeah, I think there's, there's a real push towards humanity in general yeah. right now. Just, just in general on yeah. every scale. Equality for, you know, marriage equality. Everything. Everyone wants to be human. And I think that's really exciting because we are human. And it's not, you know, and I think someone forgot that along the way, but it, but, it, but I think a lot of that hopefully will translate moving forward. There's been pushback from the general population, too, with regard to Photoshopping. I mean, you know, I can think of the Lena Dunham thing and, you know, other 
cover photos on magazines that were obviously, they lost like 30 pounds overnight, and the general public was upset about it. Like, yeah. why would you do, and I think they, they probably, people have been inspired by seeing some of these other ads to say, look, you know, these people are depicting us as real people, so don't stop the Photoshopping, you know? My two cents, yes. I'm just curious um, if you see this progression for women and women's stories also being tied up in the way that films and content is distributed, like shows like Transparent on Amazon and House of Cards on Netflix. As these other distribution platforms are popping up, do you think that that offers more flexibility in terms of what people are willing to take risks? I think I think what what's exciting about the, those platforms is that they're not reliant on advertisers and that's why they can take those risks because they're giving the public what they what the public really wants sorry sorry but you know but it but I, I do think that and because this writing is so good now you're seeing it a little bit translated into the network world like with American crime and with um, you know this whole cable for network model. I mean, it's still not there. They still have a long way to go. But yeah, I do think those platforms are, are letting the creatives be creative in a way that they haven't been able to be before. Hi, uh, thanks for a great panel. Um, is it asking too much of female actors to band together and refuse to take stereotypical roles? Uh, what if? Well, no one, no one would step up to the mic or stand in front of the camera for something. That yeah, I mean, but that's that's an individual choice. That's not going to be something that you're going to. There's so many actors in the world. You know, only you only see two percent of them, and if one person's not going to do it, another person's going to do it because it's money and it's a paycheck, and you know. So you can hope that people. And there have been many actresses who've said, "Absolutely not, I will not play that role." And I've, you know, I've been lucky not to have to work on projects that. For them, I mean, there was a project I worked on that was very stereotypical, and I had to like approach people and be like, "Hey, would you be the hot twins that make out with each other?" Or, "Hey, uh, this role is 400 pound fat woman. Do you want to play it? No character name." And like that's it's it was so demoralizing, and so horrible. But many, many, many people said no, and that's and I'm like, great, thank you, because when you get someone to finally say no, that's when it doesn't happen. But there's just always so many people that are willing to take the job. When you get a no, does that get back to the? Uh, Absolutely. I'm so sorry. I've asked like 40 people. They've all said no. They're just not comfortable with the content. And sometimes they change the content. It's interesting. Yeah. So it's all on you now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Julie's a decision maker. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we work at a post house in the city, and we were lucky enough to work on the Like a Girl and Heat or She campaign, which were both so powerful. But what we found was they both launched online, and there was of comments on all these videos and some of them were not only from men but they were from women who maybe don't agree with this feminist approach. Um, I guess maybe this is a question for you but where do you sort of draw the line between freedom of speech and bashing other women behind this curtain online? Um, because we see it all the time. It's women not supporting women too. It's not just men. Um, and with he for she, the whole point was to have have it start with men. Like you said, you're raising your son that way, but we also kind of need to start with women supporting women too, which is you know the whole point of this panel. But um, I guess I'm interested to hear what you guys think about um, comments on these social media campaigns that um, you know kind of set us back hundreds of years once they once those go out too. Well, based on the social comments that I read, um, <laughs> you should just probably not pay that much attention to some of the negativity, uh, because otherwise I'd go home every night and slip my wrists. I mean, realistically, I'm being honest. Um, why, would, why would any woman not be supportive of the Like a Girl campaign? I don't get that. There's nothing positive about what happens to the self-esteem of a young woman that she's making fun of herself in the way that she throws. You know, so. I would, my advice would be not to pay attention to the negativity and, and have the guts to continue uh, doing, doing what you're doing because I think the majority of women and men for that matter are in support of it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, you, know, you have the right to your opinion. I think that the internet allows a platform to sensationalize. So 
whether or not they actually feel that way. Because I agree with you. I, I, I can't imagine a woman that can't relate on some level to the, like, a girl campaign. They just, it's, I, I defy a woman to tell me how she doesn't relate to it. Um, so I think that some, yeah, you'd have to just take it and with a grain of salt and just know that it's sensationalized because it's on the internet and they have that curtain to hide behind. And who knows that they're actually women? It's valid too? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Mm -hmm. They have a lot of time on their hands. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it's also the hiding part of it. It's the anonymity. I mean, I have to tell you that sometimes I write back to some of these people, just kind of fun for me. <laughs> but I, I most always write back incredibly positive, and I'll say, oh, you know, thank you so much for your comments and, and for watching the show. I hope you have a fantastic day. And nine times out of 10, they'll write me back and say, oh, oh well, I, I, I didn't mean it that way that I originally, you know, said it. And so it's really interesting when you kill them with kindness, too, you can kind of bring them around and you almost shame them, you know, in a positive way. So I've, I've learned that over the years that it doesn't do any good to, to write back, you know, F you or something like that, you know. Um, it, that, that doesn't help the conversation. So it's been interesting to see when, yeah, much more effective to be positive. Yeah, way back there. So going back to Like a Girl, because I think it's a really tangible example of a positive thing that's um, when that came out in the industry, I had clients that approached me and said, you know, I want to do like a girl. I want to do something just like this. And what they were actually saying is that they wanted a viral video. They didn't want to understand the success, the demographic, anything about it. They just wanted like a girl because they saw the numbers. So as advertisers and people in the industry, how much is the onus on us to kind of stop and say, hey, the reason that this was successful is because you're reaching these different audiences, and how do you kind of start that conversation in a way that's not kind of talking down? How can you kind of bring in reality and, and start to see that change? I'm like, yes. I'm, I'm, what do you mean by talking down? Like, well, let's say a client approaches you and says, yeah. I want like a girl, and they want a viral video, mm -hmm. and you want to say to them, the reason the reason that this worked is we were talking to these people in their language in a way that, you know, A, was not talking down to them. How do you speak to your client in that scenario without making them feel stupid? And in the conversation, in reality, where they take it to someone else? That's a good question. I don't really know how to do it. Because, <laughs> I mean, what I'm saying is it happens all the time. It's, it's very true. Like, I mean, it's so funny in advertising anyways, like with, with clients, I always feel there is this incredible like sort of backwards focus thing. Like it's like even clients we, we, we have like for a couple of years, they always reference the past and what has been just I think because it's easier to talk about it and it makes it very easy to for them to throw out a reference. It's like, I want, I want this because they don't really know what they want, right? Like and then and every solution needs to be very tailored for different for a different client. But um yeah, I don't know. It's a very tricky. It's a it's a very tricky thing. I think the the I feel like in agencies the only thing we can ever do is just uh, reply with options in a way, or like reply with like, you know, like they say, I want something like 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 a girl, and then we have to come back and say like, well, how you, how about you do A, B, C? They are all different, but they are right for you. If that makes sense. Yeah. One of my, my biggest issues with Like a Girl, and uh, and I love them, but they're able to advertise the brand on a big level. It's a huge brand message, but when you start getting down into advertising individual products, you, you go right back to women in white jumpsuits running on the beach. You know, so where do, how do we convince our clients to go like, great, create this amazing overhead, overarching message, but then how do you distill it down to like the everyday of what we do in advertising? Like, I need to, you know, do the maxi with more wings or whatever it is, and, and do that in a way that's positive for women and not dance it. Well, oh, I, I, I think it's a, it's a slow change. I mean, I think, it, you know, sometimes you have to start bigger and then it trickles down that eventually, you know, the I guess the idea is like, what's the next level after like a girl? Like how can you, what would be like an offshoot of that that would um, that would make like the smaller commercials or the smaller brand um, still be truthful and speak to that audience? Um, 
but I mean, yeah, I, I, I would not know how to convince a, a client of that, but I, I think it's just a, it's a process, a slow process. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I feel like, especially when you talk product level, that, that sometimes gets so technical and so specific that like a lofty idea almost is in the, in the way. And I think the best, the best thing you can almost do is to just then treat it as very technical and make it about product and be a little bit more matter of fact, um, rather than reverting to women in jumpsuits or <laughs> what you were saying, or white, white pajamas on the beach. Yeah, way in the back. Um, so Felix, this, this is being an advertiser, <coughs> like all eyes are pointed on you, um, a lot of social issues that control, there's a lot of money in advertising, so I'm curious, um, being a male and working on some amazing campaigns that, you know, uh, sort of change culture and how, you know, perceptions are, <coughs> how do you think the advertising industry internally, I'd love to get your point of view on how agencies are changing culture that essentially affects, you know, perception. I mean, like, I think it is the Like a Girl or the Dove or the even I'm No Angel uh, campaign that, that that do that, that start to do that. But I also very much think that from that pointing out the problem and talking about the problem and pointing out that our perceptions are distorted, uh, the next change that can come from advertising that we ha all have to work towards is um, to get to that place where we don't see women as this uh, target group that sort of needs to be like encouraged or something like they're dis disadvantaged or anything, but that we really start uh, just celebrating them. I really think that's, that's important. That was the intention behind Under Armour and I, 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 like, I hope that there will be more uh, campaigns like that, that that do that too. Yeah, two right here, so the first one, yeah. I have a question about voiceovers. Okay. I'm a, I'm a copywriter and my partner and I will write, you know, write spots for whatever it is and then, you know, we have this idea in mind of who we want our voiceover to be and we, we write these casting specs but for some reason I feel like there's this trend right now of like, this like sexy baby who smokes a lot, this like, <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know what voiceover the voice I'm talking about? Uh -huh. We're like, we're just trying to sell bags of dirt. Like, why does she have to be sexy? It's, it's crazy that it's like this unrelenting need for sexiness and like that broken, sexy voice. And it's just, it's, it's kind of crazy that we're like, we don't want that. We want yeah. a regular lady who's like really relatable. And like, what do you think are like the next sort of trends that are gonna happen? Well, from uh, what I see a lot trending is when uh, like a TV show is popular, a lot of times I'll get a reference. Um, uh, they wanted Julie Bowen for a lot. So that she was the reference on a ton of voiceovers and then she got hired on a ton of voiceovers as well. But she, so I find whatever is, is trending at the time, whatever TV show um, or movie is really popular. But I get a lot of Emma Stones whenever they want somebody young. They want sexy baby, right, exactly, with like that little bit of rasp and, um, but uh, they, it, it, that is this, it, it is a weird trend, but it's, it, I think because it's advertising, they want to, they want to relate it to whatever's popular. So, you know, um, <laughs> Rebel Wilson is a, is a terrible example because she's Australian, so she probably isn't going to be this prototype, but she's gaining all this popularity. So I think, you know, if she was an Australian, you know, she would end up being like more of a prototype that's coming up at, vocally. That's just kind of like dry, sarcastic, no big deal. Um, I have started seeing people like Amy Schumer and like Tina Fey, I do see a lot as well. Uh, kind of non-distinct, regular-sounding people, so I don't really need them as a reference. But, um, but I do, I do tend to see a lot of like Emma Stones comes up a lot. And I, but I, I think, again, like I said, as soon as something else becomes really popular, that's when I'm going to start seeing those references of the different, not squeaky baby, smoking baby, right? <laughs> smoking baby, yeah, yeah, not smoking baby. Okay, there was a question right behind. Yeah. Mine was more of a commentary of what they were saying before about advertising to women and for women. <coughs> Based on what I think copywriters and advertising people have been writing certainly in the last couple of years, Dove and all these two women campaigns. And there, I was 
actually speaking to my mother, of all people, but who was in her 70s and who was very active in the feminist movement in the 70s, and we were talking about this the other night, and saying it's weird that now talking to women has become almost like a trend. It's a fad. And like, so ad guys and women don't want to keep doing it because now it's like been like the cool thing to do. So everybody, mm. clients are saying, oh, we want duh, we want this, but it's, it's just like a hit, you know, it's a hit right now, so it's almost like there are two steps forward and two steps backwards because it's sort of like finally years later, they're actually speaking to women in a way women like, but they're kind of like, I really want to get to that conversation where we don't have to talk about women anymore, but women are like, no, we actually really want you to speak to us the way we want to be spoken to. But I think agency people want to be past that trend soon and and get over it in a way and just speak to women the way they used to. But then, frankly, they'll go back to speaking to them the way they used to, which won't be the way they want to speak. So what you're saying is you can't but you, you can't you can't do an ad campaign with a normal looking woman. Yeah. I hate the word normal too, but uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. Without pointing it out. Right. Right. And and so it's become a trend instead of like normal and you know, the concern is it'll just go back to you know, talking to housewives or you know what I mean, like sort of maybe not moving forward if it doesn't remain more than a trend. Mm -hmm. I do think that's a very smart concern. I think we, as creatives, we have to sort of beware of our own cynicism mm -hmm. in that respect. You know, like it's, I think actually it's, it's very true. And I, yeah, it's so easy to be like, oh yeah, no, that was fun. Like, but you know, I mean, even for, for, for you guys not in advertising, it's like, it's such a, um, it's such a typical mindset of, like for creatives to always wanting to do the next cool thing that nobody does at the moment. And so things that are being done a lot, they become unattractive uh, to do for, for creatives. But like you say, that would yeah, be terrible. Commercial or beer commercial has like the sexy girl for the last 50, like they keep doing that over and over again for, for the male <laughs> buyers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And yet for doing this for women, it's like, you want to move on from it, and that makes sense because you don't want to keep doing like another copy of what was done. That is kind of what happens in advertising all the time, anyway. Maybe the trick is in nuances, you know? Like, I think yeah. maybe there are like a lot of different and fresh and interesting ways of how you can talk to women that are, re that are relevant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to piggyback on what she said, I, I feel like the larger issue is. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's not so much about what's happening in media. It's about what's happening in agency culture. It's what's happening in corporate culture. It's what's happening in studio culture. And that's that it's overwhelmingly white and male and very and patriarchal. And so as long as you have that being the money and the brains that make the decision, yes, talking to women the way they want to be talked to is going to be a trend because most of the the clients that you're pitching that to are wanting to look at women like objects. Like the Amy Schumer piece was very much about the fact that actresses are cast based on whether or not executives want to sleep with them. I mean, that's the ugly truth about that. And so if the guys making the decision don't think that they're attractive because that's the bellwether for what women should be, then yeah, it's always going to be a trend. So I don't know that it's solvable just in having advertising creators think about it differently. Maybe it's solvable by having more diverse advertising agencies. Maybe it's solvable by having more diverse marketing clients. I mean, I think it's such a larger issue. Totally. Yeah. I will say, just as a comment first to what you just said, I think it's a lot about shifting the standard you know, women being part of the standard and who we're speaking to in advertising instead of being like a specialty ad or something like, oh, this one's for women. Right. It's like, well, we're all for women. Okay. Um, so I guess this question is for all of you. Do you see rising women who are going to be the leaders? Do you see that growing? How can we grow that class that's going to um, be the creative decision makers. Obviously, there's going to be tons of great male CDs, white male CDs, and white women, and um, it is a it's a race thing too. Like, how do we get more people of color and more women as decision 
writing content with casting that's interesting. You know? Um, do you see it happening? How can we push it forward? Well, I, I like, I, you know, I like to encourage women to stay in the workforce first and foremost, you know, and that starts from the top down too, making it, uh, women, as far as I know, are still having babies. Uh, so, you know, that, <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's what usually stops the, the woman from staying in the workplace, right? So it starts with, like, my sister works for a company where I grew up in Minnesota, which is very good at this type of thing, where they're, they have daycare on site, they, you know, so some of these changes to make it easier for the woman to stay in these positions um, is really, really important because there's this huge drop-off of women who just leave the workforce. And so they get to sort of a middle level, but maybe they could get to the top, but they leave. So part of the problem is actually having women stay in those positions so that they can get you know, to the higher ranks. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I mean, for me, I see more change happening in the comedy sphere than I do in the drama sphere. I mean, you have these very strong female creators like Amy Poehler, like Tina Fey, like Amy Schumer that are coming up and that have this voice. And I, my hope is that it continues and then trickles into the rest of it. But no one would question Tina Fey, you know, Tina Fey. It's like, this is my product, we're going to do it, and that's the end of it. it just, it's just about finding and allowing those voices to be heard in a, in a way. And I, I think comedy is really where it's seeming to happen more than, than other places. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I mean, there, you know, just Lena Dunham and, um, and Amy Schumer having successful shows and, and creating these successful shows, um, and, and they've created their own diverse writing groups as well on their show, then Mindy Kaling, right, exactly, um, it, it, that we're able to even name this handful of women at this point is, is so much better than where we were five, six years ago. So I do think it is, it is like I said before, it's a slow process. Slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> I think we have time for one more question. Yes. Um, I, I work as a director, so I'm often at the end of this process where I get scripts and really quick do the whole process of casting and, um, and selling it all to, to clients and agency. And I think there are two, there, there, there are so many problems in this area that, that we see, but two things I want to mention that I find very frustrating. One is that clients have all the best intentions when they go out and say, we want to try and represent women correctly. I did a job recently for Kellogg's and um, the, the brief was for women over a certain size. They didn't want really super tiny women in their commercials. Yet when you go out into the casting and you bring back all the, the women you've cast who are that size, they all get rejected. In the end, we cast someone who's not the right size and pretend that person's the right size. And that's to the clients who are all women who have made, who've given that brief. Um, and and you know, the other problem is, I think, other people talked about it, but you know, when you do work for an agency, it's almost always a lot of guys. You've got a room full of guys who are making decisions about what women should do and what they look like. And it's when you get when you get real stereotypes, soften for that term, for that reason. I'm not sure what the answer is, because that's the reality. The reality is most agencies are maybe maybe that. Habitat diversity in casting too. They'll be like, we want this really, we want this rainbow cast, and you actually go cast, and like, no, we want white ladies. Like they realize, like after the, and it's horrible because you like consciously made this decision, and you're going to try to cast some diversity, and in the end, it all gets killed. It's happens over and over and over again. Yeah, I often get breakdowns where they'll they'll want to hear men and women on on a on a big commercial. They want to hear men and women on it, and nine times out of ten, they they say all the women are wrong. And they just, they decide to go with a male male voice for it. I think it's like, I also don't know how like, to solve any of this, but I think at least for the first point, it's the problem of rationalism in, in a way. Like it's that like the, the way decisions are made is like through rational discussion. And if you really discuss rationally, there's no reason for bravery and risk taking. And I think a lot of times in the process, like you say, people start with like, we're gonna be really brave and edgy. We're gonna do something totally never done before. And then once you start discussing, and it's not only like people being, uh, it's not like about being male or female or, 
you know, like these groups being overrepresented. It's just the fact that there are so many people and they talk about something in a very rational way that after tons of discussion, there really is no reason anymore, it seems like, to go with what you set out to do. And then you revert back to the cliche. Well, I just want to thank the panelists, who I think were fantastic. And thank you for all your insightful questions, too, and, and commentary. I learned a lot today, too, as well. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for joining us in this discussion. If you want to find out more about film and advertising broads and when more of these discussions are taking place, visit fab-ny.org. That's fab-ny.org.